The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We are now about halfway through our sermon series through the book of John. Uh, which is significant because that's that's 20 weeks in. So we've been we've been plowing through the. Isn't that crazy? Uh, we've been in John 20 weeks. It seems like uh, it shouldn't be that long. Uh, we're in John 10 this week, and if you are new um, to the Refuge Church, I'm going to bring you up to speed by simply sharing. Um, a kind of a synopsis of what John is about. Uh, if you're here, you, you could probably. Uh, repeat this back to me word for word because we're starting every week with it, which is this, that, that uh, no matter where you've come from, whether you came from Manchester, Washington, or my dad always says that when he, when he talks about like the, <laughs> the backwoods, like Manchester's the backwoods, some of you guys are like, yeah, kind of. Um, so whether you're from Manchester or Seabeck or Gorst or if you're Los Angeles or New York, or Miami, or Seattle, uh, whether you're from a, a little place or, or a big city, uh, whether you're from a family that was, uh, was embraced the Christian faith growing up, or from a family that, that hated Jesus growing up, whether it was maybe you came from a Buddhist family or a Hindu family, no matter where you've come from, the book of John is for you. And it's for you because we find out that a God who created the world uh, is holy and different, set apart, he took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's John 1.14, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That he, he literally came down to earth. And it was so cool this last week in community groups to say, how do you know that Jesus is the real thing? And to hear people share that, and some people were like, well, he came. Like, like Jesus is the God who showed up. How do you know Jesus is real? He showed up. Right? He, he made his dwelling among us. That's astounding. And, and so no matter where you've come from, where you perceive you are going, um, Jesus came to communicate to you the love God has for you. And he's calling you to himself. And the very end of the book of John says, these stories in the book of John are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's our hope, that, that we will see this man, this man God, Jesus, who walked among us, and we will put our complete trust in him. We know that even though he walked among us and took on flesh, that is not an easy truth for us to accept. We just know that. Uh, I don't, we don't always know why it's not an easy truth, but we know that even in our own hearts, even those that come to love him, sometimes we just find ourselves like, not engaging well with that. Well, I want to I give you an example just to start, which is this. <clears throat> Have you ever had a friend who will, who will like relentlessly tell you the truth? Like that person who... <laughs> I, I'm going to start soft here. Like the friend who... If you have something in your teeth, they're going to be kind and share that with you. Because there's nothing worse than being at a party and like going to use a restroom and washing your hands and looking at me like, how long? <laughs> like you feel betrayed by everybody. <laughs> or or that, that I, so every time I share about 
someone having their zipper undone. I think of this men's retreat I went to, and, and the pastor preached the whole time. And all of us were thinking, like, I need to help a brother out. But we didn't. And that's on us, okay? That, that, so I, I hope that, that you guys will let me know, right? I, like, I hope there's trust. I hope there's, there's truth. There's truth speaking here. That, that if someone had a stain on their shirt, like, be like, hey, man, I got a Tide pen. Let's shout that thing out. Oh, you know, there's two things for the shout it out, Tide. I don't know. But there's this commercial that I, I watched last night, and it was so funny. I had to call my little sister over. Do you guys remember that Super Bowl commercial with, with the guy with the stain? He's in an interview. And he's in an interview, and he's like, <laughs> he, while he's talking, and I'm trying hard to listen to him because he's saying very nice things, but his stain's going, rah, 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 every time he talks because, because you can't pay attention. And so, so there's those friends that just have the, the generosity, the kindness in their hearts. They love you enough to actually like reach out to you and, and let you know what's going on. See, th- and those are soft. Like we start there, even though those can be really awkward situations. And we'll move to things that are harder, like, like to get real serious. I, I talked to a guy last week who, who had to do an intervention for his niece. His niece was, um, started using heroin, got really bad. And, and they had to step in as a family and do an intervention. That's serious, right? And those, those are things that are, are hard truths to bring to the light. You know it's going to, you know, the conversations, you don't know the way it's going to go. You know she can respond poorly. You know that maybe this will break a relationship because the truth that you're bringing up in someone's life is such that, that they, will, they will be angry at you for being honest with them. Um, you, you might know this very personally from conversations you've had to have at work. Um, you saw someone do something, and rather than just let it go, you decided, because I care about them, or I care about the company, or I, I care about honoring God, I'm going to talk to them about it. Maybe it's something in your life, right? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you're married, and your spouse this isn't one of those little idiosyncrasy things where it's like they're chewing really loud, but it's something more significant, and you have to, maybe that's significant in your marriage. I don't want to. I want to make a lot of that. Um, but <laughs> the struggle is real. Uh, but it, it's something really significant that, that you have to speak to them about, and you know that you know that bringing that up could make you sleep on the couch for a while. I don't. I don't know what that is in your life. Um, in a 1992 movie that came out, um, there's a quote that maybe, it, probably more of you know than you have watched the movie, but um, Jack Nicholson's character, who's being uh, accused, um, is standing, um, being questioned. Tom Cruise's character is questioning him. The movie's called A Few Good Men. And it's a great movie. Um, Jack Nicholson's character, he says, you want answers, and Tom Cruise his character says, I feel like I'm entitled to answers. And Jessup says, you want answers? Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. Jack Nicholson's character says, <laughs> I think he says, you can't handle the truth! Right? He goes, <laughs> and then he, he has this incredible, um, incredible monologue. Um, that follows, but but what Jack Nicholson's character is saying here, right, is is the truth comes out that Jack Nicholson's character is guilty. But what he's saying is, 
is essentially this. <clears throat> Maybe it's above your pay grade, right? Or, or it's too messy. Like, you can't handle the truth because it's so messy, you don't even want to get involved with it. It's more work than it's worth. And I, and I think oftentimes in our life, there's, there's a lot of things, especially in matters regarding the soul, that we don't involve ourselves with because it's so messy. Right? There's, there's truths contained in the scripture that when we start hearing about them, we don't engage with them. And sometimes we even say, I, my God wouldn't do that because we just don't want to engage with the, the truth there. The truth of, sometimes it's the truth of, of the justice of God. Right? In Romans it talks about the kindness and the severity of God. And how we, we see in him both grace and fearful greatness. And so today we're going to be engaging with the truth that, that I think for... Um, it's very rarely preached... It's the truth of, of irresistible grace. And what that is, it sounds really nice. We love grace, but irresistible grace essentially means that, that unless God draws you to himself, you aren't going to come to him. Right. And that's what we find here as we enter the book of John. And, and this is a truth that you, I, we cannot handle. Um, so, Uh, read with me John 10, uh, starting in verse 22 to 42. And this is how it reads. Uh, Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. So before we go on, I'm going to work through the context here. The Feast of Dedication um, is actually Hanukkah. Okay, Hanukkah, often in America, is known as the Jewish Christmas. We get eight gifts over eight days, um, which is very different than how Hanukkah started. Um, if you hate history, bear with me, because we're going to go deep into it really quickly. And in 168 BCE, uh, there was a Syrian, uh, Syrian emperor. I don't know if that's what they called their leaders, but a, a Syrian leader called Antiochus of Appenides, okay? And, and this guy came and he conquered Jerusalem. And when he conquered Jerusalem, he, he absolutely decimated it. Um, after they decimated Jerusalem, they, they desecrated the temple. And so that means they came into the Holy of Holies, right, this place that only the priest could go. And so just by walking in it, they desecrated it. But then also, um, they, they put their gods into the temple. And they even made it illegal for Jews to to worship Yahweh. And so if you worshiped Yahweh as a Jew, after the Syrians took over, you could be killed, okay? And so this caused uh, an uproar in Jerusalem and and this family known as the, the Maccabees, if you've ever read the uh, Apocrypha, there's, there's books of the Maccabees, right? The, the Maccabees uh, led a rebellion against the Syrians and, and though they were vastly outnumbered, they had two decisive victories, drove the Syrians out, and retook Jerusalem and, and, and all of Israel. And so for a hundred years after that, the Maccabee or the Hasmonean uh, dynasty uh, endured until the Romans came and took it over. And so 
um, Hanukkah or the Feast of Festival of Dedication is remembering after the victory. Um, there's this story about how how the um, the lamp in the temple while they went to go get oil burned for eight days. It was only supposed to burn for one day. Burned for eight days. Hence, eight days of Hanukkah. Okay, that's the full story. Uh, give presents for it, um, and then. Um, so what they're doing here is, is that when they're, they're celebrating the festival of dedication, they're remembering when someone rose up to liberate the people. And so here they are again under, under oppression, under Roman rule. And they're, they're simply in the temple court. Jesus is there celebrating with them. And these Jews aren't the Jews that have been following Jesus around, pestering him. Okay, I, I, want, I want to create, show the difference here. Typically, the Jews that are following, they're like walking from one place to another, just following Jesus, just to like mock him, make fun of him, ask him questions. And these Jews aren't doing that. They're simply gathered together in this place, celebrating the, the festival of dedication. And, and so they ask him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And so I don't see this as, as uh, them trying to call him out. I see this as a festival of dedication where they're remembering liberation and, and kind of in hushed tones, they're, they're, they're walking around going, are you going to be the next guy? So I think this is a really honest question they're asking him. And then Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand and I and the father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. So this, this turned sour pretty quick. Um, uh, 22, uh, I think it's 32. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good works, they replied, but for blasphemy. Because you are a mere man. You claim to be God. Um, Jesus answered them. And I, I just want to, like this sounds harsh. But I want to point out that this is what they should do, right? If, if a man claims to be God, we read that and we're like, you punks, right? But, but literally, like, if a man claims to be God, this is what their law tells them to do, okay? So, so they're just following through on it. Um, next verse, Jesus answered them, it is not written in your law. I have said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be set aside. What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in earlier days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, um, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. That's exciting. 
Um, we're going to get to the very beginning, and, and we're going to camp out for the, the most part, mo- most of our time in this, uh, these verses 25 to 29. What you can see here is that, <clears throat> that the Jews who are asking Jesus the question are making it about clarity. Jesus has said a lot of things already, but, but what they are wanting him to say is, it says to speak plainly. What I want to uh, explore here, though, is that, that Jesus doesn't answer that question, but he, he sees that another question needs to be asked, and it's one of faith. So they're making it about clarity, but Jesus is making this a matter of faith. And how do we know that? Well, well, we know that because he uses the word believe, which is the act of faith, a whole bunch of times during this whole passage. Um, but, but the real question, deeper in why Jesus is making about faith, is because he has, he has made himself clear, because multiple times throughout his ministry, people have uh, responded in the same way, trying to stone him, uh, mocking him, calling him out, they've tried putting him in jail. All these responses indicate that, that they actually know what he is saying. The bigger question here is why are not they responding by putting their trust in him? Are we on the same page? It's, it's not has he been clear. The real question is, do you believe? Okay, If you're following the notes on your app, that's the first entry point. Um, Side note really quick, I apologize, there's no, there's no printed notes today, our printer is broken. So, um, half you guys don't even know what I'm talking about. So usually we have printed notes, <laughs> but we also have an app that you can take notes with. Okay, um, so, so what Jesus is saying here is, <clears throat> is I'm, what I'm going to answer is the real question in why you find it so hard to put your faith in me, why you find it impossible to put your faith in me, and this is where it gets tough. This is where Jesus starts talking truths that, for us, are very, very hard to accept. And so, the second point is this: because the reason is what Jesus gives is because only sheep believe. Only sheep believe, and and this is right here in in ten twenty six. It says, "But you do not believe because." You are my. You are not my sheep. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna offer you a, a really helpful quote, and then we're gonna pack this a little bit more. Um, um, a pastor, an older pastor of um, of a church in Chicago, um, long since passed, has he wrote this? But but our Lord went much deeper in his explanation. This time, other than the other times he, he explained who he was after he said, I am, and they knew he was God, and they knew what he was claiming. He says he's going deeper in his explanation at this time, for he revealed to the Jewish leaders why they did not understand his words or grasp the significance. They were not his sheep. From the human standpoint, we become his sheep by believing, but from the divine standpoint, we believe because we are his sheep. And this is that hard truth a friend is telling, right? From the human standpoint, we become his sheep by believing. From the divine standpoint, we believe because we are his sheep. There is a mystery here we cannot fathom or explain, but we accept it and rejoice. God has his sheep and he knows who they are. 
They hear his voice and they respond. So rather than, rather than me starting to un- unpack this, I'm going to show you how we've already seen this in the book of John leading up to this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 1. John 1, starting in verse 9, we're going to read to verse 13. It says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Get that? Even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so it answers it here. So those who did believe him, he gave the right to become children of God. And the question is, well, how did they come to believe? And the answer it gives is this. Children born not of natural descent. Right. So it's not that they were just descendants of Israel. It's not just natural descent. Nor of a human decision. So it wasn't because they were smarter or they reasoned their way in. It wasn't human decision. Or a husband's will, but born of God. Because the will of God did that. Okay? Uh, if you turn with me to John 6. John 6, we're going to first read verse 44. Which says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. Um, turn right over to, to uh, the next verse, a little further down, 20 verses later. Um, we're going to look at uh, John six sixty five. It says, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And so what are we learning here? We're, this is irresistible grace, right? We, we love talking about grace, which is that though we did not deserve it, God pours out his love. Though, though we could not earn it, though we could not request it, though we could not ask for it, God loved. Irresistible grace is that, that God draws irresistibly to himself. So when God draws someone, they do come, okay? The, the challenge is this, that what's hard for us is the fact that, that well, what happens to those who, who aren't sheep, well, this is, this is what the pastor earlier in the quote I, I read said. This is a great mystery. What I'm going to offer you to help you understand this is, is to explore our experience of what it means to be saved by God. Okay? What, what it means for us to be saved by God is I have never met a Christian who credits their salvation to their own ingenuity or wisdom or reason or expertise or I'm just more brilliant, right? Uh, I want you to imagine this scenario that, you know, oftentimes you'll hear, if, if you stood before God, you died, you stood before God, and, and he said, why should I let you in to spend eternity with me? What would you say? And I have, I, I have never heard someone say, well, because... <laughs> I figured it out. Like I won the prize. Right? Like, like it's me. No, no one has ever said that. 
He was expressing genuine faith in God. They, they have said, I was blind, but now I see. There was, this, there was this thing that happened in my life that I was dead, and then you awakened me. My understanding was darkened, and then your light shone on me. And, and then I, I understood. So, so we know it in the, in the practical aspect of that. And so what I'm going to be unhelpful in is I don't know how to explain that whole dynamic, okay? All I know is how to unpack the scriptures where, where unless God drew you to himself, you would have no love for him. Because God came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Right? This, is that, this is that moment of, of hard truth. What would be easier is for me to be like, you're smart enough, Right? You're good enough. You can figure it out. But <laughs> me knowing human nature, what I have to offer you is that we plead with God that he would have mercy on us and those that we love. And, and that is the practical response that we give. So the question is, that, that is kind of probably burning, the, the implied question here is then, how do we know who are sheep and who aren't sheep? Well, in John 10, this is, this is the, the help Jesus offers us. He says in verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So, so again, if you're taking notes, this is it. Sheep do what? Sheep, they listen and they follow. So how do you know you're a sheep or not? Well, do you listen to God? Can you hear his voice? And do you obey? Later on in John, um, John 14, 15, it says, Jesus says simply, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And 1 John 2, 6, it says, if you claim to know him, you will walk as Jesus did. There are, there are evidences of being a sheep. So it's no one, no one can tell you like you are or you aren't. I can't tell it. I have no idea. I can look at the evidences in your life. And the, the incredible thing is this. There will be no certainty in your heart. I really believe there will be no certainty even in our hearts that we are sheep unless we listen and follow. If you are living in active rebellion to God, I, I've, had this, I've had this happen to me so many times. Someone will come to me and they'll be like, I'm, I'm wrestling if I'm really saved or not. And, and, and they are living in active rebellion against God. And I'll go, I can't help you. Like, I can't say, of course you're saved. I also can't say, of course you're not. All I know is this, this certainty comes in our lives as we walk with him. Does that make sense? As we walk with him and we hear his voice and we live in communion with him, all those things that are available to you when you walk in obedience. So oftentimes what we want is we want certainty without a relationship, without actually walking in faithfulness. We just want to know I'm good. Well, there's no one good but God. <laughs> so the, the question is, are you, are you seeking after him? Are you living in active obedience to him. We, all, we know what it looks like to live in opposition, right? When, what's the opposite of listening? Well, being deaf to his instructions. 
God says this, I do that, right? Um, we, we mock him, or, or in our hearts, we just, we have no respect for his words. What, what is the opposite of following? The opposite of following is doing your own thing, right? If you read something in the Bible, and you go, and you're like, whatever, I'm going to do my own thing. There will not be certainty that you are saved. This is me as a friend giving hard truth, The incredible truth that comes from irresistible grace that follows is this. Is that everything depends on the Father who is the greatest of all. Right? So what this does is it elevates an incredibly big view of God and puts a right perspective of ourselves. Because those who are sheep, this, this is incredible. Um, twice it says the same thing, once attributing it to the G- Jesus and once attributing it to the Father. Um, uh, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. And then the next one, it says, my, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And then it goes on to say, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So twice it says this, that once you're a sheep, no one can snatch you from his hand. What does he mean here? Well, if your salvation isn't dependent upon your wisdom, right? If it's by grace you have been saved, it's also grace that keeps you. There's this incredible quote I read yesterday, and I was I even texted it to my dad, and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, this is pretty bold. I texted it to Vern and Brandon also. Um, if we were not saved by our own good works, but by his grace, then we cannot be lost by our bad works. If we cannot be saved by our good works, then we cannot be lost by our bad works. This sounds crazy. But, but what it is saying is this, that my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. God is greater than you. Amen? Like, like this is the hard truth that, that, that leads us to fear of the Lord. Because what, what I see in, in culture today, in, in humanity today, is we have a far greater view of ourselves than we have of God. We can, we can say yes when we want to say this. We can say no when we want to say this. We can say screw you, God, when we say that. We can say, God, I'm coming back. When we, want, we, want to, we just want to do whatever we want. And then we're like, but God, so good. And what we usually mean by that is I can do whatever I want to, and God's just going to pick up the pieces. Right? But what this esteems is an incredibly high view of God that we begin to fear him and know that, that God is greater than all. And it doesn't happen by human decision or will but it happens by the will of God. And this leads us to worship saying, it was not me that brought me to salvation. It was God and his grace and his goodness. And this is a hard, hard teaching to accept. The incredible thing at the end of this time is that Jesus offers an invitation for all of them to come. And, and this is the responsibility of Christians to offer that everyone would come. And we see that some respond. And, and Jesus is amazing. He, he, he shows who he is again by his works, he says. 
he does this weird comparison with Psalm 82 because they're like, you claim to be God. And he's like, well, in Psalm 82, it says that, that you're all gods. And all he's doing right there is disarming them, right? He's not actually saying they're gods, um, if you read that into the text. What he's doing is disarming them. And he's going, you know what? Crazier things have been said. What I want you to see is the evidence of my life. Is this evidence of me being God or not? And they see who he is and evaluate again what he said, so his word and his works. In the very end, it says, Though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man is true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. And so, so what do we as a church do with, with a text like this? Well, the big question is, first, do you hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? Are you his sheep? Do you hear his voice? And a lot of us will say yes, and that's, that's amazing. Um, do you listen and do you follow his voice? Do you know what it looks like to walk in a relationship with him? To let him share his hard truths with you? And, and let me tell you, when those hard truths come, you know, it's easy. I think when we come to the Father, when we come to God and we know he's so loving, I think we expect it all to, at some point, just be easy. We, we don't, we don't like, expect that, that we who have been so deeply rooted in our rebellion against him, and I'll speak me who have been so deeply rooted in my rebellion against him, I still expect sometimes that when the truth comes, I'll be like, oh, that's amazing. Not to be like, cut to the heart, convicted. The message has been this. You read it from John the Baptist to Jesus to, to the, the apostles at Pentecost. The message has been this, repent and believe. And, and that, is, that is what we take from this. And that is why some believe, because at the very end of the day, the invitation is there. Repent and believe. And what repent means is literally change. It's a change of heart and it's a change of mind. And, and that change of heart and that change of mind, we can't explain. I can't explain the work that God does in your life. I know it is by grace. I know it's not because you're smarter. right? I know it's by grace that you go from, from blindness to seeing, from death to life. And so the invitation we give is repent and believe change and and come if you are following along in the in the um, acts reading you'll have read this incredible passage this week acts 3:19 says this repent then and turn to god so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the lord telling it to all those people, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so I invite all of you to listen and to follow, um, to let these words hit you deep. I invite you to struggle with these words. I invite you to enter into a deeper fear of the Lord with these words. And I invite you to share them with other people 
knowing that for some they will be the aroma of life, and to others they will not hear, and it will be the aroma of death. Why? Because when the truth comes, it is uncompromising. But it's by grace we've been saved. And so I'm going I'm to end with simply with these words that I shared and ended with two weeks ago. John Newton's words. These two truths I know that I'm a great sinner and that Jesus is a very, very great Savior. Pray with me. Oh God, we, we are humbled by what we've read today knowing that it wasn't me chasing hard after you that awakened my soul to your words. It was by grace. God, I pray that these words will settle. They will, they will not just settle, they will, they will burrow deep, deep into our hearts. We will be challenged by them. And they will lead us to worship they lead us to long to listen and to follow. The song said earlier, tune our hearts to sing your praise. We praise in Jesus' name, amen.